found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode 13. No car sightings this week. I was kind of disappointed. I was thinking about that on the way home from work today. And I'm like, I don't have any car, any car spottings to, to mention today. I don't know if you have any. Um, I mean, it's not your typical, it's not typical Isaac car spotting, but, um, I did see something. Oh, I remember. I I did see that one. I I told you, I saw that blue, um, Huracan that is around here, the Huracan convertible. It confirmed that it was blue and not green. The other day he was, he drove past me. Um, so I guess he's got it out for the year now. Nice. But, um, yeah, it's, it's blue. I guess, I'm pretty sure it's a Huracan. I don't think it's too new to be a Gallardo. And uh, it's the convertible. I don't know what model to call it. Probably like a 650 something or other because they like to use their power numbers in their name now. Mm-hmm. I've seen, um, well, before I'll make my note down. Uh, before we, I get into this, um, so I saw a couple things this week. The other day I saw... Is it that iconic or the icon five or something like that? It's an electric vehicle. Ionic five. Uh, Yeah. So I saw one of those in in the parking lot of one of the the stores I was in this Mm -hmm. past weekend. And uh, it looked interesting. Um, I think they look 80s digital. Okay. Yeah. Like the, the, if you look at the, if you see the taillights when they're lit up, they're like, square circle like they're squares like an mm-hmm. outline of a square of leds <clears throat> and they light up solid when it's brake lights and um like the front grill where the headlights are and across there like i think it looks like how, you know how everything in the 80s was digital and like very you know yeah the old school style leds um display or lcd display yes. yeah i i look think it looks like one of those as a car Okay. Like I think of pixels when I think of like yeah, 80s. Yeah, exactly. Pixels. Like if you mm. put someone in the 80s and tell them to make a future car, I think you get the Ionic 5. Mm. You know? True. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get too close to it. Um, and I really didn't get a whole lot of time. It was, like I said, it was parked, uh, yeah. but it caught my attention. As far as it, it seemed to me, I thought it was something more exotic than it was. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, that looks pretty cool. What is that? And then it's a Hyundai, isn't it? Right? Mm-hmm. Hyundai? Yeah. Um, but I thought it was something like a Rivian or something weird, mm-hmm. you know, not, not like you're not like a regular Hyundai. Yeah. That's the sister car to the EV6 I told you about a few weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, they're they're platform mates. So I saw that and that, you know, that was kind of a cool sighting. Um any other sightings? Not really. Uh, okay. Something of something of note, real quick though, that I, I saw in the park, and I know that you're not a huge fan of um, uh, SUVs, but I was impressed with the Explorer ST. Okay. I mean, this one it was all black, it had black rims, red painted calipers, you know, the quad exhaust on it, and uh, to me, that's cool. Like if you're, you know, if you're like a family or something. Instead of going for like the minivan, you know, I I, I think that would be cool. Mm. Um, and I was impressed with the looks on it. I don't like the current explorers the way they look. I think they, I don't know, like when they redesigned them in 2013, um, mm. and like the current ones are still an iteration of the 13s because the 13 was a completely redesign. Um, mm-hmm. I I thought those looked okay, but as they keep facelifting them mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm not so much a fan of those actually a lot of the newer ford suvs i don't like at all um i feel like ford's kind of lost its way with styling the last five or ten years like mm-hmm. i think i think the late two, 2010s um or the mid 2010s they were doing some good stuff and yeah but i feel like they're kind of like meh right now for me at least for me styling wise like how about the how about the trucks how do you feel about the truck styling 
Have you seen them? Because like some of them are cool. Like the the, the headlights are they're like massive. The the grill on like the F two fifties, F three fifties are are like huge. Yeah, they're they're definitely capitalizing on truck buyers wanting something to be large and and impressive and and substantial and stuff like that. Like it's trickling down to the F one fifty, which you know depending on the trim level has the LED um, brackets around the headlights and um, they look like the larger super duties and they're definitely, I mean, trucks are big, trucks are Mm -hmm. big now. Like I've been thinking about this recently that the F-150 is like the size that the two fifties and bigger used to be. Mm. And the Ranger is now the size the F-150 used to be. And I was like, well, you know, there's a whole missing segment. I might've talked about this on a prior episode, but I was thinking about this week, the, um, the, the Ford, uh, what's it called? The Maverick, Maverick. Yeah. and uh, the, the Hyundai Santa Cruz. They're mm. like the trucklets. They're mm-hmm. basically the size that the Rangers used to be. Because mm-hmm. there's I, last couple of days, I've been uh, crossing paths with like an O2 Ranger um there, there's a dying breeze man you barely see those anymore yeah man. you don't I mean they're just not around much anymore um but size wise they're kind of like a maverick if it sits a little higher like the maverick sits fairly low um but like body wise they're about the same size as as the older rangers so mm-hmm. you know i think it's kind of just like the newer version of that. So realistically now those are the compact pickups and then the Ranger I and the um, Colorado, I would consider a midsize. And then the F-150 would be, you know, a full size or light duty. And then the 250s and above would be um, a medium. It's not medium duty. Technically they're still light duty pickups, um, but it's, it's kind of graying the lines between a light duty and medium duty. Yeah, at what point do you get into the medium duty? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no diesel option for the Ranger right now, is there? I don't think so. That's the thing I like about the, the uh, Colorado, that they have a little diesel and, uh, diesel option. Yeah, until you're paying 550 a gallon. Well, true. Yeah. Because <laughs> like in those trucks, the benefit is not fuel economy. It's it's torque for towing. You know, right. but yeah. most of those trucks are mall crawlers. So it's like, are you really getting the benefit of the diesel? Probably not. I just think, I just find it attractive to have yeah, like it's a definitely small unique. diesel. Yeah. yeah. They probably don't even sound good though. Not like the, like the Ford 7.3s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the, the V6 diesels kind of just sound like an appliance. You know, yeah, we don't. Like an old we have, <laughs> Yeah, like um, the old Mercedes inline six diesels are loud. Like from the 80s, they're super loud if you've ever been next to one. Mm, yeah, you're right. You're right. I take that back. But um, like I'm thinking of the Audi V6 diesels. Um, they don't really have a sound to them. They're just a noise. Like they're, they're a mechanical noise. Mm. So like even if you open one up on the exhaust side, they're, they don't really have a great exhaust note. Um, so it's definitely not, you know, an enthusiast engine as far as that's concerned. I wonder what those, the Touareg V10 diesels sounded like. I'm not sure. That's gotta be an interesting sound, a V10 Mm. diesel. Yeah. Hmm, Interesting. I'll have to Google that later. The closest thing you'd probably find to it is if you look up the Audi Le Mans cars when they were diesel. So like the R18 and, and, and stuff like that. You look up an R18 or an R10 um, uh-huh. from Lamar, you might be able to get somewhat of an idea what it sounds like, but that's also an extreme racing engine version. So sure. it's going to sound different than, you know, an open street streetcar. Were they V10s? Yeah. So saw a couple of things in the new, the Countach, uh, sorry, the Countach that they're bringing back. Hmm. Have you heard about that? Uh, as far as I knew, it's like a styling exercise, like it's a, a vent door underneath. And then they just kind of like styled it to look like the Countach, but then maybe there's something new because that's been a couple of months since I since I saw that prototype. So they might have changed something. I think that they did, but 
I didn't read too much about it, but I also I also read that I think it's going to be twelve in it, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have to look more into that, but that, that seemed cool. Um, I you know we we talked a little bit about the Genesis G seventy mm-hmm. over the past week that uh, I'm very curious about. I was doing some research on that. Um, and I kind of like it, man. Like those, the styling on those Genesis vehicles are just, I know that they're a little too busy for you. I think you said, mm-hmm. but I like it. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about the name because they, they haven't really been around that long. Right. So, and I don't think they're cheap either. I don't know. I, I've got a little bit of an issue with just, um, you know, if, if, if they're worth it, but from a styling standpoint, um, and it seemed like the G70, the 3.3 liter turbo, is sort of an enthusiast car. I mean, it has launch control, rear wheel drive with an option for all wheel drive. Um, I, I don't know. What would you say? That's like comparable to the size of an A6, you think? No, it's a three series competitor. Really? So, yeah, it's a little longer than like an A4. Um, it's about the size of a three series BMW, um, same size as like Alfa Romeo, Giulia. It's in, mm. the, it's in that category. And I don't, I've heard nothing but great things about them. The only downside is that this, the rear seat's a little bit small for the size of the vehicle, but mm. for the most part, it's pretty competitive. Like German cars have never had, you know, spacious rear seats until you get to one of the large cars. And, um, like it's got, from what I've heard, cause I've never driven one, but it's got great handling dynamics and a lot of value for money. Like the interior just looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can get it with quilted leather and, um, and stuff like that. And it's like, I think it looks well laid out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get it rear wheel drive. The first couple of years you could get the four cylinder base engine. It's a four cylinder turbo. You could get it with a manual transmission, but Mm-hmm. They didn't sell many, and so I think it only lasted a year, maybe two. But um, I liked the original ones from two or three years ago because I just think it looked more – you could say it looked more boring, but I think it looked like the, the lines flowed better, especially on, like, the trunk and the taillights and everything. I think it was better incorporated. But the current ones, you can definitely – they're distinctive. Like you can see mm-hmm. them on the road and you know what they are, or you mm-hmm. will know in a few years what they are because they have like this, this shield shaped grill. And then they have the headlights and taillights are these two lines that basically like go end to end on the car. Um, so they're definitely a distinctive look and they're, they have their own look to them. Like they're not copying anyone for, yeah. for the most part. So they've got that going for them. It's weird. I mean, I, I'm, I'm weird. I like, lights on cars and I've always have and I like how the lights are and like the the at the A7 and maybe some of the A5s have that third brake light that goes all the way across the rear mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the like I know the Genesis SUV was like the GV80 or something I think like that something like that but whatever the SUV is has the same thing. I don't. I don't know mm. if if the G seventy does, mm-hmm. but it's just. I don't know. I just like that. It just, it just looks like um, aesthetically pleasing, at, you mm-hmm. know, especially at night. Uh, and it just kind of gives the car a little more presence. I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found I saw a 2022 G seventy with like two thousand miles on it, black, three point three liter. Um, which would probably be what I'd be looking at, at on Carvana. And I wonder, like, where did that come from? Like, why should someone get rid of a basically brand new car? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. But, uh, you know, us car guys, we're always looking, right? Even when we're not. Yeah. So I always have my eyes peeled. <laughs> and that's something that's on my radar right now. Okay. Can I yeah, bring that? Way- can I bring that to you to get a service? Or no? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there's only so much we'd be able to do, but <laughs> the GV70, I think that's 
like a X5 size. Like it's it's only a five seater and um, it's not their big one. Like they have a GV80, that's the big three row. But I, I've only seen a couple of pictures of the GV70 and I, the rear styling I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of. If, I, if it's the one I'm thinking of, I just feel like it's kind of got like a, like a droopy butt. I just look at the lights and, and that mm. kind of thing. And I, I like that part of it. That's like a big thing for me. Right. I don't remember it being, I don't remember it being either way. So that means you probably would not, you would probably not like the style of my headlights or not headlights, my taillights. Like I've got. On your car? Yeah. It's a 16 year old car and it's got like, this is pre LED. It's, you know, still basic incandescent lighting everywhere with the exception of the, the Xenon headlights. Um, a lot of people try to switch them out for they'll, they'll find um, aftermarket lights that look like the newer, like 718 style, where it's the LED strips in the mm -hmm. taillights. Mm -hmm. But I like the classic look. Like I'm, in, I'm enjoying having a car that looks classic. And mm -hmm. while it might look like it's some aspects of it, you could say it looks like it's 20 years old. I think... I don't know something. It's almost like if you see. I hear you. I I think I like for instance my my old Mustang was a two thousand and three, and you remember what those were like. They had the three tail, you know, the three bulbs. Mm -hmm. I love those taillights. Um, I had. Do you remember the Cobras? The three Cobras. How the deck lids looked, um, like an integrated LED taillight in the like third brake light. As um, it was it was like not molded, but the spoiler didn't separate from the trunk do you know what i'm well, talking about i remember it, they like, had it a, like hung over i'm trying to remember but they all had lights on them they all like okay. the regular models like the v6 and the gt had i think like five incandescent 194 bulbs or whatever mm. um in the deck lid and then above that was the spoiler that kind of sat on the yeah. deck lid yeah but and you could get like you know Oh, uh, replacement like aftermarket LEDs to go into that existing spot, which a lot of people did, but it just it didn't look great. The 2003 and 04 Cobras had it, it wasn't molded to it, but it sat on the deck lid like, like a, um, like a lip kind of like a big lip. It looked really good. And it had a big LED strip that almost ran the width of it. And at the time, I worked for Ford, and I, um, I, I I ordered like eBay. Some guy was selling one, and I bought it off him. But it had no, it had, it didn't have the third brake light itself. It had the spot for it. Mm -hmm. And th those third brake lights back then were like four hundred dollars or something. Oh yeah, the the Terminators had that like duck mm -hmm. bill that stood on the back of it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So you can are you did you see the the LED light on it? Yeah. So I so, forgot about that. Yeah. Oh my god, I loved it. I you know I should when I sold the car, I left it on there. I should have taken that whole chunk off and sold that separately because I probably would have gotten a nice amount of money for it. But what I did was. I forget the. I was like on a parts locator, you know, at work, and I found this. There, it was on clearance at some Ford dealership in like California, and they wanted like eighty dollars or seventy dollars for it or something. So I got that. I got the trunk lid, sent it off for paint, and, and it cost me probably like a thousand bucks. Yeah, it's like all said and done. The funny part is, most people probably didn't even know that, like what, mm -hmm. like, that I had made that change. Like I yeah. did. And to me, it was worth the money. I, I loved it. It was awesome. Um, but like if I showed somebody who didn't know about cars, a picture of the stock and a picture with the new one, maybe they, I don't see mm -hmm. a difference here. Yeah. But it's, and the other thing I did in that car, which is really cool. Do you remember the turn signals for, for a while were like integrated in the mirrors mm -hmm. for some cars and you couldn't see them until they were like on? Mm-hmm. And some, I think there's some GMC pickups that still have that. Yeah. Um, but like the like around like '97, '98, it was becoming prevalent with a lot of cars. A lot of the uh, Ford SUVs had them. And uh, I found I've been looking for a long time, and I found someone who was selling a set for the Mustang on eBay. And that was like little small things, but like I loved that about that car. Mm -hmm. And it was something that you never saw. I never saw on any other Mustang.
Right. You know, you know, people like you know do all kinds of crazy things and like make them look bad. Mm-hmm. But it was like a tasteful modification that uh, I miss. Yeah. My version of that was my first new car was an 01 Civic, and brand new. Uh, yeah. And they Honda offered um, like a like a ground effects kit. Like it was just basically an extension of like the side skirts and it was very subtle. Like it wasn't anything you would notice. So what I did was I had that installed the front rear and the sides, and then they had a a wing also. And then after like a year or two, probably about a year later, um, they came out with the civic hybrid and I thought the front bumper looked really good. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I bought the front bumper from a hybrid had it painted to match, and then I installed it uh, onto my car. And I just thought it looked great. Like, it was subtle, and most people wouldn't even know there was a difference there. Yeah. Um, but when I went to, like, meets for other Civic forums and stuff, people would notice it because, you know, there's enthusiasts for that car. Um, so I liked it because it was, it was still kind of stylish, like, or uh, it was tasteful. And it was factory parts, so it like fit mm. like it was opposed to, and like mm-hmm. there wasn't any issues with that. And it was Honda quality, and so there I did that instead of doing like because back then it was really popular to get fiberglass bumper kits, and so like you know with fiberglass you hit a parking curb or something, your your bumper is like destroyed because it just shatters. Shattered, yeah. Um So I didn't want fiberglass, and so that's what I liked about the Honda one because not many aftermarket. Um, companies were offering a plastic bumper. What model was that, Civic? I had an EX because the SI was not out yet. Um, so it was an 01 EX. So it had a little bit more power. It's the only one that had VTEC um, and it was a manual nice. two door. And then nice. they came out with the with the SI in 02. And then in 03, I traded this the, the coupe for an SI um, and I had that for like nine months and then I found my Mustang. So that was the time when I was flipping cars like underwear. What year, what year was the SI? It was an 03. Was that new? Yeah. So I think I took my Civic in for like a 35 or 40,000 mile service and I was walking around the lot while the car was being serviced and I saw they had an SI there and it was the blue that I wanted so mm. I pre- pretty much traded it on spot. The guy, the, Isaac, what can we do to get you into this today? <laughs> well, actually, I knew the salesman. He was a, he was a neighbor. Um, so he sold me both of my Hondas. So it wasn't really a big deal. The biggest thing I had to do was, and my dad was fine with it. My dad co-signed on the, on the 01 uh, because it was my first new car. And I was just barely 18 and I didn't have any credit. So he co-signed for that one. So all he had to do was sign off on the title release when I mm-hmm. traded it for the 03. Those are cool. I like those, those SIs, those old school ones. Kelsey had a 96 uh, black Civic manual before I met her. I think it got to like 200 and something thousand miles and needed a trans or something. But yeah, I like that's That's cool, man. I've never had a new car before. And I've always, I feel like everybody needs a new car at one point in the life. And I think that we should discuss that. I don't know if we have enough time for that tonight, but I think new versus use would be a good topic soon. I just can't, like, my thing is, you know, like. I've had nine cars. Only three of them have been new, both my Civics and my Subaru. Everything else has been used. I'm probably right around there, either nine or 10. My thing is, though, like, you know, I like to have a car that's not perfect. Because if some if someone scratches it or you know I I park I park my car at work the same spot, I it's like a corner spot and I always inch it over like I, it's it's one of those spots that's like has like the hash marks, mm-hmm. so I always favor the right side so the person next to me has plenty of room, and usually one of my coworkers parks next to me because like I work at a bank, and it's a small parking lot and there's a lot of traffic in and out so. Mm-hmm. People don't really stay that long. So they're coming in, you know, open their doors. They may have kids with them. Who knows? I, mean, I, I don't want to get door dings or anything like that. Um, so I'm very cautious of that stuff, which I'm sure you are. Um, 
But that with that said, if there if you know a scratch does happen to my car, I'm not going to lose my mind over it because it does have scratches. Right. Whereas like if I bring a new car and the thing's perfect, that first scratch is going to be like, oh my god, like, mm-hmm. that'll take a long time to get it over. I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, here I am, like yeah. here I am, waiting for a new you know stop start button to come in so I can replace it because it's not perfect. Like I was yeah. talking, I was talking to Kelsey about it the other day. I was like, I was like, do you like, do you see this stop start button? And she's like, what's wrong with it? I'm like, it's peeling. Like the number, like the, you know, the A and the R are like worn out. And when it's mm-hmm. lit up, it's like it drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. She's like, it looks fine to me. I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with this. Like I need to replace it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. It works fine, but it just doesn't look right. Has your interior door handle started peeling yet? Not yet. No. 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 I, should I be worried about that? It will at some point, yeah. Are they are they tough like to replace? It's a, uh, I I don't think so, um, but it's like a chrome plated handle, and it's like if you're imagining the handles like L shaped, kind of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then if you look at it vertically, like there's, uh, it's chrome plated, and the seam is like is like at the top of it and at the bottom of it, and because you grab it all the time, it wears away at the top, and so eventually the two seams start peeling apart, and it's mm-hmm. like it's like a metal flake almost it's almost like if you put aluminum foil on your on your doorknob or door handle well eventually it starts sticking up and and then it's very easy to like slice your finger open on the stuff so that actually that happened to me on my mkz actually and uh and then and then it just like something happened where the door snapped or something like it was a known issue and the and the the door, like the door handle broke off on the inside. Mm-hmm. And again, it was, it was like a $20 part and it was super simple to replace, but that was peeling on that. And I, hope, I don't like to mess with door panels because they usually don't, or like you, you bust those clips sometimes and you pull them off. Yeah. And like, I don't want like, you know, very particular with that stuff. I've been hearing a rattle on my headliner and I'm not sure what the hell that is, but I have to investigate that a little more. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, this is a six-year-old car now, right? 16. But it's in good shape. You know, I think I'm a, I'm a big proponent of when things start to wear out, fix it right away. And then you'll, yeah. your car will always be in good shape. Right. Especially if you ever go to sell it or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I've got a few of those things I've been meaning to take care of. How are you on the uh, interior trim? Did, have you done anything with that yet? No. Have no, you thought about it? Yeah, I think about it every time I get the car. Um, but I just, it's not a, as much as it, like it does bug me, but it's not a super high priority right now. Um, yeah. I also just don't know what I want to do with it yet because like it's that it's like a soft touch paint that's on top of the plastic that's peeling off of the high traffic area, so to speak. So like where you grab for the seatbelts and, the headlight switch bezel and things like that there and like the center console um it's peeling off of there and chipping and stuff like that mm. but i don't know what i would do because i wouldn't want to paint it the same thing but i don't but i'm like okay well if i paint it something different what would it be and if i do i kind of have to go all in and like actually remove multiple pieces of my interior and you know, sand them down and then prime them and then paint them and then reinstall them. And it's going to be a process. So where, you're talking about where that belt is, right? Where the belt retracts. Yeah. Yeah. But would you have to go that in depth with it? Can't like, I know you probably would cause you're, you're like very particular about those things. Well, the, all the pieces kind of like are connected somewhat like where the seatbelt comes out of the side of the car it meets the so there's where the a pillar is at the windshield that panel is painted in this stuff and it wraps over your head and goes back to where the seat belts are and also the rear trim panels which is like the speaker covers and there's storage pockets back there and like it all connects to like the trunk trim it's all one piece or it's not one piece but it's multiple pieces that all flow together and have the same material like it's not broken up and so, like, if I decide to um, paint the the seatbelt covers, then 
say I painted the X, like one thing that people did on special or do on special Porsches is they have the interior painted to match or some parts of it painted to match the exterior. Okay, so if I paint those two pieces blue, for example, well, they're gonna look out of place unless I paint everything else or at least several other pieces blue. Like I'd have to do the whole trunk trim pieces and the speaker, speaker covers and the storage pockets that would be all in the trunk. And then I would have the pillars that go over the, you know, the arch of the roof. Um, what do I do with those? And then, you know, they meet the dashboard and then at the dashboard you have the headlight switch bezel and the ignition key, the ignition switch bezel. And then you have the center comp, like it's just, where do you stop? Right. But at the same time, you don't want to do it all because then it's like overkill. That just reminds me of like PT Cruiser status. And they had the, the bezel, the, the cluster bezel was painted body color. Mm-hmm. And the passenger side airbag was body color. Yeah. Personally, I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm personally keep it stock kind of mindset. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, but you could buy it that way new. Oh, um, really? Yeah. You could order a car that way. It's, it's just, you know, ridiculously expensive for what you're getting. Um, but mm-hmm. if you want to buy one, if you want one that's your own and, you know, one of a kind, it's mm-hmm. pretty common for people to do that. It's just a matter of how to do it tastefully so it's not overkill and tacky. I think that, I think that's the, uh, the key word there is tasteful. I feel like whenever anybody personalizes, quote unquote, a vehicle, and I feel, I don't want to point fingers, but I feel like Honda people are guilty of that. Not modifying a vehicle in a tasteful manner. Mustang people do it, I think. Jeep people do it. And yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever, at the end of the day, whatever makes you happy, yeah. that's great. Do what you're going to do. But in my opinion, I think I just see people do stuff. I'm like, wow, like how, what part of your brain thinks that that looks good? <laughs> yeah, I forget what it was recently. I saw a car coming to work and I'm like, really? You did that, or like yeah, when someone so, throws twenty six inch rims on a Crown Victoria that's yeah lift, lifted like eight inches. <laughs> yeah, like I, I actually had an O four um, S four come in this week mm-hmm. or last week, and it left today. Um, mm-hmm. Beautiful blue. I don't remember what color blue it was. It was it was beautiful. It only had thirty one thousand miles. Um, it was in good shape. The only thing that let it down, and like everybody at work kind of said the same thing when they saw it. It had these gaudy chrome wheels that just didn't mm. match the car. Mm. Um, and like, I, I swear at least four or five people randomly throughout the week said, if it wasn't for those wheels, that would be an awesome looking car. Cause it just, they didn't fit the car like aesthetically. So, mm. um, but that was, that was a nice looking car. Was it stick shift? No. What was it in for? um he was having issues starting it he thought maybe there was like a problem with the ignition switch but didn't didn't do anything for us it it was perfectly fine so speaking of 04 s4s that is what i sent do you were you able to open that link at all i said no so when it was you ever hear cars and bids Mm -hmm. i'm not familiar with cars and bids but i would imagine it's similar to like bring a trailer that's so you know doug demiro Yes. That's his website. Oh, okay. So he started that auction site basically to compete with, you know, bring a trailer and stuff like that. So this one was, it was a silver 04 S4 six-speed Avant. Okay. Uh, beautiful condition and 130,000 miles, 130, miles on it, but wasn't really modded. It was, I think it was like 19 hours left in the auction. and So it was a wow. 04 S4 yeah. wagon yep. with yep. a manual. Is that what you mm-hmm. said? Mm-hmm. So that had the V8, the 4.2 yeah. V8. Yep. And, um, you know, those are, those are five valve engines. I did not know that part. Yeah. They're, um, it's really interesting to see, but yeah, they have 40 valves in them. Um, Jeez. I actually, we had one in a few, few months ago and the technician was doing a carbon cleaning on one. Mm-hmm. And I actually got to see inside of the combustion chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, it looks so cool. 
obviously listeners can't see it, but that's just the intake side and there's three valves there. Oh my God. And then the exhaust has two valves, but it's that engine, like they were all their, I think a lot of their engines were five valve engines because my sister mm. had a 30 valve V6 in her Passat. Mm. Um, but as soon as they converted to direct injected engines, the, F- the FSI engines, they had to ditch the five valves because there's no room for an injector and five valves and a spark plug inside of that cylinder combustion chamber. What does FSI stand for? Fuel stratification injection. So basically a direct injected engine. Mm-hmm. I think it actually is different words in German, but the English version is fuel stratification injection. Mm-hmm. And then TFSI is turbocharged fuel stratification injection. So that, so I don't know, I mean, like, I always think like, I think that we're on the same page that we like you and I, I think we both agree that it's nice and fun to have a car that is purposeful. You can have fun with it, um, but it's also economical. Like you can do other things with it. So I think that's really cool to have, I'll call it a sport wagon, you know, something mm-hmm. with a manual in it. It's got a V8 in it, but you could also put a bunch of stuff in the back if you needed to. Like that's cool to me. I like if that. you w- could, um, if you could give up all-wheel drive, mm-hmm. I think you would enjoy the CTSV wagon. Mm. I think so too. Those were available with a manual. Mm-hmm. Um, although if you find one with a manual, you're going to pay through the nose for it because mm-hmm. there weren't many. Um, but yeah, the, the, I think, the, I don't remember if they were naturally aspirated or, or supercharged, but it was a V8. You could get them automatic or manual a wagon. Uh, they also had Cupid sedan, of course, but like the funny story about the CTSV wagon with a manual is so I used to subscribe to Motor Trend for like 25 years. Nice. And one of my favorite editors uh, is Johnny Lieberman. Mm-hmm. And he, in one article talking about it, he said that he was at the auto show, like New York Auto Show or Detroit or something like that, uh, when they first were launching the CTSV wagon. Mm-hmm. And he walked up to it and saw it had a manual transmission in it. And... um he said to the the press guy who's working for Cadillac, he's like, a manual? He's like, are you crazy? He's like, you're going to sell like 17 of these things. He's like, that would be great. We were hoping for six. <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually ended up selling a lot of them, like a couple mm-hmm. hundred. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was like a really cool, like moment in time car. You're not, you're never going to see something like that again. Yeah, I saw, I mean, we were at a car show last summer. And a guy had CTSV wagon, nice condition. And he was super cool. He was like, "Oh, you want to go sit there?" Like, "Yeah, sit there." Like, whatever, man. Like, he was he was like, "Oh, I looked for two years for this thing, and I flew to you know Michigan and drove it home." And like, you know, obviously, this guy was you know, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are cool. Like, I I like them, and I like the CTSV, but geez, you can't get near one. They're so expensive. It's like mm-hmm. the same, even, even, even like before a, COVID. Yeah, right. Like even before the market started going, you know, skyrocketing, like they were a unicorn car and they were yeah. priced accordingly. They are. It's like, I don't like it that much. I mean, I need my mm-hmm. socks to be knocked off and it's cool. I think it's awesome, but mm-hmm. it's not like blowing my socks off enough for me to go after one. I think another car you might like too um is the chevy ss mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you can get the chevy ss with a manual i've heard if you get the magna ride they're really great they literally are a four-door corvette at that point like they drive well they handle well um they're practical because it's a four it's a big five seat sedan it's like a bmw five series size mm-hmm. um i've heard nothing but good things about those as well yeah they're probably pre-covid they were but I get like a two. I think they stopped making them in seventeen or eighteen, maybe. Uh, something maybe, around there, yeah. And they were still before COVID, like 
40 something. Yeah. I don't know what they are now. I haven't, I looked at them for a little while. Their value pretty much has not dropped. Even when they, like when you bought one new, you might've lost a couple thousand on it, but a few years later they were, because they weren't very common, they were still selling for like almost new. So, I mean, you know, I have a problem with like getting away from all wheel drive. Um, part of me, like at some point, considered getting like a uh, a Caprice, you know, like a um, mm-hmm. a retired cop car Caprice, because it's basically mm-hmm. the same drivetrain, and just like having that as like a second car, just to, like mess around in. Mm-hmm. And I entertained that thought for a couple seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to go back. I want to touch back real quick on, we were talking about lights a second ago. And are you familiar with the uh, Z8, the BMW yeah. Z8? That was like yeah. uh, early, I want to say early 2000s. Yeah, that was like 02, 01, 02. I actually saw one in person. Um a little bit after high school, I was working at the Mannheim Auto Auction, and there was one that was that came in on one of the exotic um, exotic days. Uh, on it was a Tuesday or Thursday. They have their exotics, and one of those days there was there was one there, and it was definitely something you don't see very often. I've, I've never seen another one in person. Those things are. I mean, they're the value of those is insane. They're mm-hmm. like they're still like three hundred k. And yeah, the right. interesting thing about that car, going back to the lights, all the lights on that car, um, I, don't, uh, I, think, I don't know if they're fiber optic or if they're xenon, but like the tail lights, the turn signals, everything, it's all mm-hmm. like, um, I want to say it's xenon, like the, the Mark 8 had that. Remember the Mark 8s? I know that you don't love them, but do you remember like the 98 ones? It had you hit the tail like the brake light had on the trunk. It was like oh no, I'm sorry, not seen it. It's a neon light, and they okay. and they require ballasts. So okay. like the ba- and the uh, and if you remember like the '97 Explorers, remember the Explorers? They had the third brake light went like pretty much across the trunk. Okay. And that was a that was a neon light. And oh, what okay. happened? What happened with those is the ballasts would go bad. And uh-huh. after a after a while, you couldn't you couldn't get the ballasts anymore. Okay. And then that would fail inspection because the, yeah. the third brake light wouldn't light up. So people would replace the whole, like the whole trunk, right. or the tailgate, I guess, with the newer version that just had the smaller brake light on there. So okay. anyway, fun fact: the Z8, all the lights on the Z8 are neon lights. Everything. Okay. I read that somewhere. Yeah, but it's pretty cool. Hmm. But that's basically like a Z3 on steroids or a Z4, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit bigger. And I think it's got a V8 in it, like a four liter V8. Um, I think it's probably the M5 drivetrain. So like mm-hmm. the M5 of the time, which E39 had a four liter V8, six speed manual. Uh, I believe it's probably a lot of that stuff. Must be like very limited run or something because. Oh yeah. I just don't understand. I mean, it looks cool, but it doesn't look that cool. I mean, geez, again, like the, the, for I guess I compare what that amount of money will buy you and other, and other mm-hmm. things like a new car yeah. or like regular people cars or like a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but cars um, like that, you want it for a reason. You know, it's part of your collection or sure. something like that. I just find it interesting how they, I guess, incorporate that, like the neon technology back then. I mean, that's like I didn't know 20, any cars used neon lighting. Yeah, yeah. The uh, well, you said the ninety-eight or ninety-seven Explorer did ninety-six, ninety-seven, and then of course nineteen ninety-eight Lincoln Mark Eight had it, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sure other cars did, but those are the ones that. I guess I knew about because I was kind of involved with it a little bit. I like it. I love that look. And I think that I think that it's duplicated now in probably a better way. Like I'll go back to the Explorer today. That that Explorer that I saw, the taillights, the way they lit up reminded me of of that look. And clearly it's not neon. Mm-hmm. But 
it was like reminiscent of that. And I'm sure it's a much more sustainable, you know, situation now. I don't know. I like that. I like life. So I was wondering the last couple of days, I was wondering how, um, how this whole new car used car market is affecting mm-hmm. auto loans. Do you have mm-hmm. any insight on that? Yeah. So um, I can tell you that a lot of people are buying out their leases. Yeah. I'm seeing like, that too. Like a lot of people like, and it's a pain in the butt because there's a lot more, it's easy to do an auto loan. It's easy to do a refinance, but to do a, a lease buyout, it's just a lot more paperwork. It's a lot more back and forth with the, the customer. And then you got to deal with the, whoever, like the, you know, whoever, whatever leasing company owns the vehicle. Right. Um, some leasing companies use the, I don't know if you see this, but some leasing companies do everything through the dealership. Yeah. So like you, so you would send the customer with a check back to the dealership to handle it. Um, some leasing companies don't, and you would have to deal with them. And it's just like, yeah, which whichever way you go is a different path that you have to go down and collect different this and different that and whatever. Um, so I'll tell you that I've seen a huge uptick in lease buyouts. Yeah. Um, I'm still seeing like a good amount of auto loans coming in. Like we see a lot of that. I've had multiple customers that they leased. Like I was a little bit early to that, but mm. like, cause I got my Outback in 2018. So my lease ended the end of, or early in 2021. Um, but people that started a lease in 2019 and 20, they're now expiring. Mm-hmm. Like you're seeing. And like, I know one customer of mine, for example, he has uh, an e-tron that stickers for about 80 and the lease was ending and he's got 12,000 miles on it and his lease buyout because of residuals or whatever were based Mm -hmm. on normal market conditions two years ago, three years Mm -hmm. ago. And so like, it would have been stupid to buy out the lease then, but now he's like, this same car on a dealer lot to buy it used with 12,000 miles is going to be $75,000 and my lease buyout is 40. Yeah. He's like, I would be stupid to like, first of all, I can't even buy another car, you know, to replace it for the same amount or without paying markup for a new one. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm finding a lot of people are with the market, they're um, buying out their lease in the, with the plan to hold tight for like another year or two. And then once the market starts cooling down, then buy something new again. Or like say that say that customer had a second vehicle or something, you know that he does that he drive. I mean, if you're thinking, you know, strictly financially, that guy could buy that car out, trade it in, or sell it. And then if you have another car, because you know a lot of people have a, a second car, ride that around for a while until the mm-hmm. market cools down. Yeah, and that's why I think a lot of leasing companies want you to go to the dealer to to like buy out your lease because they were finding i think what from what i've heard they were finding people were going to like um like the big auto buying used car dealerships like uh car sense or there's another big one that is like more national but like they have lots full of like two three hundred cars and they pay a lot of money for a, for a used car. And so people were going there with their lease and basically making out, you know, thousands of dollars and profiting off of their lease. And I think leasing companies were, they're trying to limit how much people are doing that. Yeah. And, you know, um, I thought about that again, you know, my, my father-in-law has two cars, one that he doesn't really use that often. And my dad also has another car that he doesn't really use and, when my warranty ran out on my car, I was like, man, I, I could sell this car, probably get what I paid for out of it or close to it. Mm-hmm. And then ride around and, you know, one of these cars for a little while until things cooled down. But, you know, I thought, you know, I, I, weighed, I, I thought about like, okay, you know, is it, you have to answer yourself the question, like, is it worth it? And to me, right. I get more satisfaction. It's not, it's not always all about money and mm-hmm. It shouldn't be, I don't think. But yeah, if you're talking dollars and cents, it's a great time to 
cash in on your used vehicle right now. Have you seen stuff? Is stuff still being marked up? Yeah. Dealer cost there. Yeah, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. There are some dealers I've heard that are sticking to selling at MSRP, um, but there are very few and far between. It's got to be it's got to be a pain in the butt for like salesmen right now because I get I bet you have like customers coming in and trying to do the whole uh, you know bargaining negotiation process. I think it's, it's the same it's as it's always not been. Working. I think it's the same as it's always been, except the dealers or anyone selling a car has more leverage now. You know, they can just someone's going to come in and buy that car just because their lease is ending and they need they want to get the next car. And it doesn't matter what they pay because they've always flipped over cars every three years and it's just another car payment to them. And so, Mm. you know, to that extent, it doesn't really make for some people, they may not even look at that as long as it, you know, meets their budget or whatever. Um, but yes, a salesperson is going to be able to pretty much sell a car for whatever they want to sell it for. And then, you know, while people may still be bargaining, I don't think they have as much leverage as they used to. And so maybe they get away with, you know, the dealer will throw in the prepaid maintenance plan, or they'll throw in like, um, you know, like some kind of protection product or something like that, instead of taking money off the car. I think that the negotiation process has changed Mm. from the way it used to be like 20 years ago. I don't think that dealers really come off the vehicle that much anymore. I think that, like you said, they throw things in, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, we'll give you a tire protection or whatever, you know? Yeah. Cause that's cheaper than actual cash off the hood. Yeah. It's tough. I, I, I do not personally, and I'm in, I've been in the business. Like I, I love cars. I do not like purchasing one. <laughs> it's not fun. So how about the, uh, the sighting? Actually, you know what? I should have put this as a sighting. I saw an Isaac specked out Cayman S at, oh, my, yeah. in my neighborhood. Maybe it wasn't Isaac spec, but it was still. It was like your say, car. You know, how would you know it was my spec? <laughs> I just wanted to say that. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, that's not a car that you see often, right? And it was like, uh, you said the color looked different, but to me, it looked similar. I thought it looked like a dark gray or a black. No, it was blue. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's just it the might... way they took the picture. I was trying to, I was yeah. trying to be sneaky. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, was like a, it was a Cayman S. It looked like it was around your body style. It was the same one. It was like, it would have been uh, an 06 to 08. Like, I don't even see those things on the road. So, like, one to turn mm-hmm. up in, in the parking lot of, like, my condo is interesting. <laughs> I was like, what the, what's Isaac doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Isaac should be at work. I felt I kind of, the- like, the one time when we went to the car show and I parked in your in the parking lot, I mm-hmm. kind of felt weird. Like, I don't feel weird very often. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, I felt a little weird because, like, everything else in the, like it was just a you know a suburban um condo parking lot and mm-hmm. like everything else was you know economy cars or suvs or some yeah. minivans and like i don't remember seeing a single hot car in that parking lot no like, with the exception of like yours or maybe like i think there was a mustang or a challenger in there but like you didn't notice kelsey's honda accord <laughs> <laughs> No, that kind of blended in. <laughs> the yeah, no, exactly. The the there's there's no enthusiasts in this uh in this parking lot. A guy for a little while had an a bar, okay, which was super annoying because it was it was like raspy loud. It didn't sound good. I know that some of those things can sound good. But this one did not sound good. It was just annoying. It was red yeah. with like white wheels. It was just like too much. Mm-hmm. And that one annoyed me. But he he left. He he rented. Um, but why did it, why did that make you feel weird? Like you felt like uh, like it was going to get damaged or just like out of place. I felt like I felt like where's Waldo in a sea of gray. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean that was definitely it for sure. Like I. 
I felt like I had a beacon on my head, like, hey, look at me. I've got this, you know. Yeah. I'm a rich guy rolling in. I have a, this hot car. <laughs> yeah, but you parked you parked in a safe spot. Yeah. I that's I, that's where I park a lot of times. That's a very typical spot for me. Like I love yeah. parking where I have a parking curb on the right side. If it's just yeah. me, I'll park about two inches from the parking curb. Yeah. Um, like I, I look in the mirror and I, I park it so that I'm like two inches from the curb. And there's two reasons for that. One, I'm farther away from the car beside me to minimize the potential for door dings. Right. Two, it's hard to get out of my car if I'm parked, if someone parks too close to me because the doors are long. Mm. And so like it's low and the doors are, it's like a two door, which is always harder than a four door. But um, it's, when I when my when Sarah and I go somewhere, I have to park in the middle of the of the spot. But if I'm by myself, um, I park as I park as far to the right as I can uh, to to make give myself more room and also to. Try. But yeah, parking with a curb on one side is like my go-to spot. So I was talking to some people today, and I'm not going to tell you the gender but they didn't understand why people back into spots. And you're like, that's so stupid. I hate waiting for people when they back out. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. And I, I, didn't, I didn't share my opinion on that, but <laughs> what is your opinion on backing in versus just pulling in straight forward? I do it almost all the time. I've started doing it. I started doing it over 20 years ago mm -hmm. um and a friend of mine used to make fun of me all the time he's like all the honda guys do that um one of my high school buddies said that but i think mostly enthusiasts do it there's actually mm -hmm. there's a few economical reasons that you could do it mm -hmm. um but i mean like either way you're gonna have to if you're pulling into a spot you're gonna have to back up at some point either to get in or to get out mm -hmm. and um, I've just always preferred backing into a spot. Uh, I have a pet peeve against people pulling through a spot into another one instead mm -hmm. of backing into one. Cause like, it's very rare, but it's possible for two people to be going into the same thing mm -hmm. at the same time mm -hmm. and have an accident. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. it's also kind of dangerous for pedestrians too. If someone's walking by and like, not even just pulling through a spot to park in one, but like, if you're trying to cut through the parking lot and you go to between two cars, like if a pedestrian is walking by it could be dangerous if you're not paying attention but anyway for fuel economy it's about 0.0001% more fuel efficient to back into a spot really yeah because like backing out of a spot when the engine is cold versus mm. pulling out of a spot when the engine is cold you use more fuel backing up and then accelerating away forward than to just pull out forward like you're making an Makes extra sense. maneuver when the engine yeah. is cold. It's very minute and you're not going to see it in your fuel economy um, number, but technically it's more fuel efficient to back into a spot. Interesting. I would think that it would be less fuel like economic wise because you'd be pulling in like with your momentum and then you'd have to use, you'd have to start out from the stop to back out. But that makes sense. Like the cold, the cold engine has a lot to do with it. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I like to do it from a, from a standpoint of safety because if you're if you're pulling up up to a spot, you're in you're in like the traffic lane, and and you're backing into a spot that's vacant. When you're backing out of a parking spot, you know there could be a, a big truck on the on, on your side. And you can't see oncoming traffic and who you know whatever. So to me, it's safer to pull out than back mm. out. Yeah, I can see that. Um, also, I feel like you get a better idea of where you are in the spot if you back into it, mm -hmm. like where you're, where you're lined up. So you can give yourself a little bit, you know, create that safety zone from door names. Yeah. Um, my ego internally very often kicks in, like, I get extreme internal satisfaction from backing into a spot with my car with like, it's got decent sized blind spots. It's got yeah. small mirrors. 
and no reverse camera. And I get extreme internal satisfaction when I can back into a spot reversing in using only my mirrors and being completely straight. And the SV parked beside me is crooked and not in all the way. I, <laughs> it just I makes me feel so good. I'm like, I could park so awesome. You know, I, I can, I can uh, relate to that. It's a, uh... It's a dying breed with all these, uh, like everything, like all these uh, driver assistant stuff. It's like any, like anybody can back into a spot. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's actually, I think we've talked about this before. It's like relieving to drive a car that doesn't have those things. Mm. You know, like I, I'll drive Kelsey's car once in a while and uh, it doesn't have any of that stuff. And I'm like, this is nice. You know, like I like to actually have to work to like park this car. So, and I think that, you know, one day people aren't going to know how to do that. You know, one of these days cars, and I, I know that, you know, obviously cars have the capability to parallel park themselves now, but one day that's all they're going to do. Right. And I'm going to be I'm sad for myself when that day actually happens. But yeah, um, you know, it's nice to get back to the basics every once in a while. Well, I think we've had a good chat tonight. Yep. I think we'll call it a night. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. Um, you can reach us by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com or we can find us on Instagram for all of our posts. We post every week uh, asking for questions from you, the audience. We'll feature it here on the on the podcast. Um, you can find us on Instagram at windingroadspodcast. We look forward to hearing from you and your questions and feedback. It is important to us and we always appreciate it and would love it if you could rate us and review us on your favorite podcast app. Uh, until next time, enjoy the drive.